Hey, 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 Doctor Who fans, and welcome to the Big Blue Box Podcast. My name's Gary. My name's Adam. And welcome to episode 342. Yeah. Keeping that rolling a little bit longer. It's a good one, that. It's good, isn't it? The themes, yeah, it's a good one. Well, I hope you are having a good week and you're keeping well. You've had a cracking week. And that you've all managed to do something Doctor, Doctor Who, Who related. Related. Indeedy. It's been a funny old week, you know, for the old uh, actors having their name thrown in the hat for the next Doctor again. Oh, have we got now? I don't know if you've seen this one, so the Radio Times have gone have gone balmy on it, so. Oh, no. I haven't, no. Yeah. Who have we got? Let me just set the scene for you. Sue Pollard? Before. <laughs> <laughs> Let's set the scene before I get into it. You're at the Radio Times and it's a bit quiet. The editor comes to you and says, what's going on with Doctor Who at the minute? Nothing's happening. Well, exactly that, mate. Nothing's happening, so nothing to report. Well, we can't have that. Just do some digging, do whatever you need to do. I don't know, just get something. Get some dirt. (laughs) So the person goes (laughs) off and literally, like us, cannot find anything, any more information. So what they do is they go back to a book that was out that was published back in, insert date here. It was a while ago. Can't remember. We all know the book. It's a really good one. The Writer's Tale. Steve, oh, uh, yeah. Russell T. Davis and Ben Cook. Mm. We, we know, we've spoken about it so many times. We recommend the book Very all the time. Very good book, yeah. yeah. Uh, the, the, the premise for the book is it's, um, it's not a story or a novel, but it's, um, it's, cor- it's like a conversation between Russell and Ben over email. And it's... Uh, it's essentially the run-up, the pre-production into series four. And it lasts right up until the final scenes of Tenant's last special, which I think went out in 2009, I think. And uh, anyway, this person at the Radio Times has decided to do a bit of research to try and find anything. So gone through the book and there's a little bit, little, little, little bit <laughs> in an email from Russell that talks about Russell Tovey. You know Ooh, Russell Tovey? I do, yeah. Yeah, he's popped up in Who a couple of times. Yeah. And, what was uh, it? A lot, not Alonso, something like that. It yeah. was Alonso, I think. Was it? Alfonso? Yeah. Alonso? Alfon- Alfonso, oh. something like that. And uh, anyway, there's a there's one sentence in the book. And Russell says that he thinks Tovey is amazing. And I think I'd make him the 11th Doctor. Oh my word, it's him. So, as you can imagine... <laughs> Said person, reporter, journalist, whatever you want to label them at the Radio Times, has started doing cartwheels over this because they now think that this is a done deal and Russell Tovey is now the next Doctor. Wow. So, editor at the Radio Times has said, well, that sounds legit to me. Let's publish the story. We don't need Russell's okay on this. It sounds like it's a done deal. So they've put the article out and now the bookies have put his name in the hat and now he's the front runner for the 14th Doctor. I'd be up for him, actually. I, it, I, um, Russell Tovey, when people say to me, who's the nicest person, celeb you've 
just bumped into, not convention, you've just bumped into him on the street or whatever. I, I always say Russell Tovey. Um, I, I just saw him in the middle of London one day and he, he was so lovely because you're never sure. Oh yeah, you see them and you're like, oh, mm-hmm. should I say hello? I better make up my mind quick because they're coming towards me or shall I just let them walk past? And uh, yeah, I said hi and I just got chatting to him. Really, really lovely chap. Um, he was in Being Human, wasn't he, as well? That went on for quite a while. I never got into yeah. that, but uh, a bit too gory for me, that one. I remember trying to get into it because I really like Russell Tovey and, and I thought, oh, I'll probably like this series. It's a bit sci-fi. Nah, I got too much blood and guts. But um Yes, so he's the he is the wow that'd be amazing. Let me dig out my old selfie with him immediately, <laughs> get it ready to post. <laughs> yeah, so that's a bit of fun and games that we we always have this, don't we? In the mm. run up to a new doctor being announced, there's always this circus where various newspapers and various media outlets they all try and play the guessing game. They've all got a crystal ball. They all know <laughs> what's going to happen, and it ultimately ends up being nothing like what you thought so i think him and i think lydia west is still up there yeah she's still well. being heavily yeah. rumored heavily yeah. rumored isn't she would yeah. you prefer it to be like a do you like the announcement shows or would you i mean there's no i don't think there's any way they could do it now in terms of like they could never do a surprise you know on in the actual show keep it that secret that long um but some of the i mean the jody announcement was a bit naff wasn't it with that TARDIS that rubbish TARDIS but <laughs> yeah. I remember liking the Matt Smith one it went on a bit though it was about a half hour show but it felt like it was more like three hours building up to it and then it was a kind of like when they finally showed who the Doctor was um, I think most people including myself were like well who's that <laughs> <laughs> and he went on to be a fantastic Doctor True. then he had the Capaldi yeah. one where he come out gripping the lapels There's, I don't know I quite like the announcement ones but I also think, God, it, wouldn't it be amazing if we didn't know right up until the actual moment it hit the screen? That would be incredible. But there's no way, is there? Absolutely no way they'd ever be able to do that now. I don't think so. No, it's no. just impossible almost. But I, I hate sounding like a negative ninny bud, but I'm really not a fan <laughs> of these reveal shows. Do you I not think, like them? No, the last one that no. I watched was the Capaldi one. I think it was Zoe Ball. I think she was. Yeah, Zoe Ball, yeah. 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 It's just cringe, mate. It's, re- it's a cringe fest. Any... Oh, why can't they ever do a really good offshoot factual Doctor Who program like this? You know, there was one, I think, where they had Stephen Moffat there and a load of people. I can't remember which one it was. It might have been the Capaldi one. And it's such a cringe fest, mate, because it's just a glorified... Um, what's the word? It, um, everyone just gets asked the same questions for about mm. half an hour, 40 minutes. And at the end of it, you just think, what was the point in that? Because you either have two types of actors who play the Doctor, right? You either have the type of actor that has been a lifelong Doctor Who fan, like David Tennant or Peter Capaldi, those kind of people. And they know the show pretty well and you know they've loved it for a long time. And so they're... They're a little bit more, they've got a bit more ammunition when they get fired questions around Doctor Who. And then you get the other type of actor like um, Jodie Whittaker, I suppose, who probably has never been into Doctor Who at all. They just view it as another acting role. Mm. And so right off the bat, you have fans like, she shouldn't be the Doctor. She doesn't know anything about Doctor Who. This is ridiculous. <laughs> and then you have people like the the Capaldi showing where everyone's like, he's going to be the best doctor ever because he's been a fan. It all means nothing. It like mm. every, every, every question, every answer means zero because everyone said that about Chibbers. 
everyone said, oh, he's a lifelong fan. You know, he's been on an interview show back in the 80s or whatever, talking about Doctor Who. He loves it inside out, knows it inside out. It's, it's going to be amazing. And then it turns out that in our opinion, make that very important, in our opinion, it ended up being, you know, one of the least enjoyed eras of Doctor Who for us. Mm. So it all means, you know, the whole thing is just a glorified, have you watched Doctor Who before? No. Oh, so how are you going to approach the role? Not sure yet. I've only literally just been cast, but I'm sure me and Russell will work out something great and it'll be amazing. Mm. Or the other side of the coin, do you like Doctor Who? Yes, watched it all my life. So you know inside out? Yes. Are you going to base your doctor off the other doctors? No. Excellent. Let's crack on. It's literally <laughs> that. That's all it needs to be. A do, you have, uh, do, you have, do you have faith in Russell that whoever it is, he he can make uh, he can make it good? Yes. You know, yep. do, 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 you got faith in Russell's writing. I think I have, yeah, because yeah. I keep thinking this. I'm thinking whoever he casts, even if it turns out to be someone I'm not too sure about, I think, oh, don't know about them. I, I think I've got enough faith in Russell to, to think he knows what he's doing and he'll make it work. So I'm not too worried about the casting, to be honest. Um, yeah, unless I'm it's somebody really yeah. wacky, unless it, it truly is Danny Dyer, uh, in which case <laughs> I might be slightly worried. But I, I don't know. I think whoever he casts, I feel like Russell... I'm sure he's got an idea in his head of where he wants to go with it. So, you know, I'm, yeah, yeah I, I'm not too worried about the casting, to be honest. Yeah. Here's the thing with Russell coming back. And I know you and I spoke about this at length when we did the first episode immediately after that news broke. Hmm. But the thing for me with Russell is that although we gush over his era and we always say how great his writing is and all that stuff, which it, it genuinely is, hmm. um, I think there's a couple of things now that have, that are very much in his favour coming back because I think if this had happened maybe just a couple of series after he left and then he he was coming back, it was it might almost feel like not much has changed, like we've mm. had a different showrunner just for a couple of series and now Russell's back and he's picked the baton back up and off we go. But I think the the amount of time that's that's gone by since he left Doctor Who and now. If you think about all of the amazing stuff that he's written and put out into the world, hmm. that surely has got to have an influence on his writing now. I mean, he was a great writer back then, obviously. But if you just think about all the successful award-winning stuff that he's done in that gap, um, I think we're going to see a different Russell. Oh, definitely. Oh, who, yeah. Almost certainly. Yeah. yeah, so I think that's in his favour. And that then leads on to his casting for the new Doctor. I think he's going to have a much more of a... Uh, what's the word? Um, a, a wider view of the world in terms of you know actors that are available and stuff mm. um, for that. And then secondly, this is very much feels like a like it could be a kind of a reboot, but not a reboot if that makes sense. So when Stephen took over and when Chibbers took over and so on, the show was very much just rolling along as it had done for ages. It was always made in Cardiff, always by the BBC, always these things. But now that the BBC have handed the reins over creatively to Bad Wolf and we've got mm. all that stuff going on. And then what I just mentioned about Russell, I really think that I honestly think that the pinning all of the hopes on just a name as in Russell coming back is a little bit um, short sighted for a lot of people. I think you have to look at the wider picture because yes, mm. it's great that Russell's back, but I think all of these things contribute. So it could be, it could kick off a new era of who that could be, hopefully should be, Fairly amazing, dude. And I think the casting will be an important part of that, as it always is. 
Yeah, I think Russell's been talking a bit more about why he came back as well, and he he just said it's uh it, it's the passion, really, isn't it? It's just something he cannot leave <clears throat> behind. It, you know, when he did things like It's a Sin, he very much had it in his mind that he knew that that was going to be one series. He knew what to do with it, and that was the end. And he said with Doctor Who, because of the format, you can't really ever end it. It's always there if you want to pick the baton back up. And I think over the years, he's obviously just been festering ideas. <laughs> And, uh, and now he wants to get him out there. So, um, yeah, it makes sense that he's, he's coming back, I think. Whereas yeah. it didn't when it first got announced. It's like, why? Why would he want to come back? But, yeah, I think it's just, yeah, he's got something he wants to do with the show, clearly. Um, I'm excited to see what. Indeedy, yeah. And just very quickly, lastly on this, do you think he will coerce Stephen Moffat into coming back and writing at least one app? Well, do you know what? I'd love to see those two. Uh, collaborate again because I think well we, we a lot of people feel this that Moffat's strongest episodes were under the RTD era when he didn't sort of have the big pressure on his shoulders of being showrunner I think Stephen I, th- I do think Stephen's a, a great writer if anything I think he's got so much um, in him that he, he he's got so many good ideas I think he doesn't always uh he puts too much in he throws in the kitchen sink and I think with with Russell there you, you've got someone to sort of cherry pick the best of those ideas and yeah i just think they'd be great together i almost wish they were both coming back as as like a joint you know um show running team i think they'd be fantastic because they get get on really well don't they as, uh, you know outside of the show mm-hmm. they're they're good friends and um uh, yeah I, I i would really like to see Stephen come back i i think despite certain issues that Stephen had uh as the showrunner, I think he was. I think he was great, and again, he's got that passion. He loves Doctor Who, and um, and I, I think he was a great writer. Uh, I really do. I think we'll look back on Moffat a bit more fondly because I mean, RTD, brilliant writer, you know. But you know, with Moffat, there were when you look back, you, you, there are things we forget that weren't so great. I mean, you know, it's it, not everything in the in the RTD era was amazing. It just had an amazing overall feel to it, and. Um, I feel a bit like that with Moffat, you know. No one's 100% perfect, but both of them were very strong, <clears throat> very, very strong writers. Yeah. Oh, I totally agree, dude. Yeah, I'd love yeah. to see Moff Bag come back. I would. And write a, a, a neat, <clears throat> awesome little two-parter. Because his two-parters were really good. Let's not um, beat around the bush. Some of his stuff, <clears throat> especially those two-parters, and the, they were really, really good in his era when he actually wrote them, not just oversaw what was going on. The, so, the Doctor dances... Um, and Empty Child are two of my favourite. It's just such a good two-parter. So well-written. Mm-hmm. Amazing yeah. stuff. Man. So, yeah, <clears> maybe series one. Maybe, because them two did get along very well, like you said. When you saw them mm-hmm. together at signings or conferences, they're always having a laugh and a crack. And we know that they spoke mm-hmm. and they do speak yeah. quite regularly. So who knows? But it would be good. would be good. would be amazing. Yeah. Anyways, Russell Tovey. There you go. There's another name for you to ponder new, over. The new 14th Doctor. <laughs> yeah. Another name for you to argue about on Twitter and shout at each other and complain to each other as to why he should or should not be the next Doctor. Of course, it might be irrelevant if David Tennant is the next Doctor returning. <laughs> Who knows? It's all Who up in the air. Say. It's fun. I'm staying out of it. It's exciting. <laughs> staying out of it. Uh, okay, dude. Tell us about Phantom Events on Saturday. Tell us. Oh yeah, so yeah, this Saturday I popped over to to Chiswick to the the latest Phantom event, and uh, d- despite um, Storm Eunice doing its best to ruin the day, I mean it was a f- blimmin' nightmare journey getting there. The, the weather's causing havoc over here. Um, 
But yeah, once they got there, it's fantastic. Uh, Katie Manning was there and Sophie Aldred. And uh, they're just two of the nicest, I think, people to meet from Doctor Who. They, they really are. Yeah, they're just so engaging with the fans and everything. Um, it was just such a nice meet up again. So despite getting soaked and, and uh, replacement <laughs> buses and everything else, I was in quite a bad mood when I first got there. It was a really cracking day. Um, always such a nice meet up, those events. And uh, mm. Katie is just, oh, she's just lovely. And I think she, Katie loves to hug. Anybody who's ever met Katie Manning will tell you that she loves to hug fans and and stuff. And I think she's found social distancing very difficult. And uh, in the photo studio, we were sort of back to, you know, the TARDIS prop that had been between us in the in the previous shoots had been removed. And we were back to sort of uh, being next to them. And I think Katie really appreciated that. So, yeah, nice. it was a really good day, mate. Really good day. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. You often speak about the Phantom event very fondly and uh, they're good, aren't they? Because they're, like you always say, they're a bit more small scale, a bit more intimate. And yeah, they they are very good. Yeah, nice events. And I've got the BFI one coming up in two weeks, which I'm really excited about, the, the Revelation Daleks, which you didn't manage to get a ticket to, dude. But yeah. um, don't worry. Oh, no, I was going to say there's still hope, but then you've got you've got something on that day anyway, haven't you? So you can't go. I can't go anyway, but... I'm sure you'll Our be. Raven uh, reporters there, isn't she? Maria's I was going to say, yeah, you'll be there to um to give us the lowdown on the next episode the following week, and then yeah, Maria's yeah. going to be there. She'll she'll do a decent article. Yeah, you don't need me. You just yeah. Maria's our Raven reporter. She's on the <laughs> ball, mate. That's all you need. I'm 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 too busy getting lashed at the bar to be making notes and <laughs> anything like that. I leave leave that all to Maria. Yeah, I was going to say you could report on the first half of it where you actually sit down and watch the thing. When I could rem- the bit I can remember, yeah. yeah, yeah, and then about <laughs> twenty minutes after that, it's game over. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So yeah. yeah, they've started doing quizzes afterwards as well. The quiz rest, and I'm going to do that. That's when the drinking starts. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Okay. Well, that's going to be cool. So yeah, mm. as Adam said, our our reporter Maria, she normally does a decent one. So look out for that on the old website. So before we land the or jump in the TARDIS and do this bit of news and then onto the review, please, dear Doctor Who listener, make sure you follow this podcast or subscribe Mm -hmm. in your fave podcast app so you don't miss a show when they land every Friday. If you're new to the show, then welcome, welcome aboard. It's great to have you. And if you're a long time listener coming back, one of the grizzled ancients, then it's good to have you here as well. It's great to have all of you here as we waffle about Doctor Who. So make sure you follow the show. You can listen to all of the episodes for free as well over on the website, which is www.bigblueboxpodcast.co.uk. They're all on there for free and also our reviews and articles from our cool writing team. We had a review up there this week. Uh, oh, sorry, just um, uh, last week from Jordan, which is the Watchers review from Big Finish. And mm. we also had a really good article from Harry where he started to rank all of the modern Doctor Who series and part one is up there for you to uh, to get a cuppa and read through that. It's very good. So make sure you check those out. We're on the socials too, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Links on the website. We chat Doctor Who throughout the week, and we have a free Discord server. Again, there's a link on the website. Hop over there and chat Doctor Who with other Who fans. And lastly, remember to follow Adam's channel over on YouTube. Make sure you do this. It's called The Geek's Handbag. Yes, don't forget to remember to forget <laughs> to remember to go and check out my YouTube oh, here channel. We go. Here we go. <laughs> don't yeah, all forget on to go and do it. Please remember. 
I used to do videos on the Phantom events actually until I was uh, told you're not allowed to film there. But <laughs> yeah, yeah, there's a, there's lots of convention videos on there anyway. And I did a, did you, I don't, you probably haven't seen it, but I did an LFC one recently, which uh, was quite cool little vlog. So yeah, loads cool. of Doctor yeah. Who videos on on my channel. Go and check it out. Indeedy. Adam's on the socials too, Instagram, Twitter, and the Facebook under the same name, The Geek's Handbag. So go and stalk him and chat Doctor Who about Doctor Does Who Does anyone over use there Facebook well. anymore? It's amazing. <clears throat> I used to get so much interaction on Facebook. It's dead now. Whenever, whenever I post anything on Geek's Handbag Facebook, it's just nothing. And yet Instagram and Twitter, it seems to be thriving. But yes, Is Facebook just a bit yeah. of a... Is it? Yeah, I thought so. Yeah. You'll probably make some changes to our social... I'm going to set up a, um, year, a MySpace, I think. <laughs> a MySpace? Crikey. Yeah. <laughs> wow. They're all on the TikTok, mate. That's where it's all at. The, the TikTok, yeah. What is it? Someone tried to show me the other day, and I'll tell you, because <clears throat> you know I hate technology <laughs> or anything. He does. That, that isn't it? just yeah. the most straightforward. I hate, yeah. And uh, someone tried to show me how to use TikTok the other day, and I just, well, just lost my mind. Yeah. yeah. I hate it. But I'll probably end up on it at some point <laughs> yeah the myspace thing sounds good do that yeah <laughs> yeah oh yeah i'm on it somewhere yeah, yeah. vine we'll do some vines as oh well. vine oh my god yeah. yeah anyway anyway let's jump into tardis mate and do this bit of news i don't yeah. want to do the news but we'll no. do it anyway no i don't but let's do it So, it's good to be doing news again, but it's sad news. I hate doing sad news. I bloody mm. hate it. So, Steve, uh, Stuart Bevan, um, who started in Doctor Who back in the 70s, he was um, uh, he played uh, Professor Jones, Clifford Jones, back in The Green Death, uh, has sadly left us. He's died at the age of 73. He was a really good, really, really good, actually, in The Green Death. Uh, we don't just say that when someone has passed away and the uh, you know, their, their role in classic Doctor Who, but he really was good in that role. And, um, yeah, had a, had a decent, um, decent outing across different things here in the UK. Uh, very much, uh, very much, a, 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 just a solid, uh, TV actor. Uh, he went on to do things in Grange Hill, Brookside, um, Emmerdale Farm, uh, Blake Seven, dude, I think Yay! he had a, a, a role Seven. in there. And, uh, and, uh, he was very close to Katie Manning back in the day, when he was filming Doctor Who, I think they were, I think they were partners back then, on and off but, Yeah, they got got married and had two kids. Yeah, so um, yeah, so it's hit Katie pretty hard. She put out on Twitter this statement that said, uh, mm. "The most beautiful man, poet, actor, screenwriter, husband, and father, to Coral Bevan and Miss Wendy Bevan, uh, went on his awfully big adventure. He was the love in my life for many years, on and off screen, and our wonderful friendship continued to the end, which is lovely." That's, that's, yeah, it's lovely, isn't it? That's typical Katie as well. You, that yeah. just strikes me, you know, she was such a lovely person, as you said. So mm. so sad news, dude. Stuart's uh, left us at the age of 73, but uh, a cracking part, though, in The Green Death. Absolutely, mate. Yes, yeah. I was going to say, I, I'm sorry, I was just checking to see if him and Katie did get married. I might be wrong saying that, but anyway, yes, yeah, so they were certainly um, together uh, for a while and had two kids. And what I love about it is that even when uh, their relationship dissolved, they remained really close um for you know right up until his death they they were such good friends 
and uh, the, you can really see the love and warmth between the two of them. So I got to be honest, when I heard this news, uh, this really uh, hit home yesterday. I, I it's always strange to get upset about somebody you don't really know. Uh, you know, I always think like you know, if you've got a favourite musician or something, and they die, and you sort of you see everyone sort of on Twitter, you know, pouring love out. And you think, well, yeah, it's all good, you know, but you don't know them. But I have to say, I, I genuinely felt emotional when I heard this. And I think maybe because I know, I just love the relationship that him and Katie had. Um, they were great together in The Green Death and they did some really nice new extras on the Blu-ray sets where her and Stuart went on little trips in Bessie to some of the locations used and stuff. So, But I, I just love the relationship they had. I love the fact that they were able to be such good friends even though you know that their relationship had had ended i and and they were so close together and um i I met stuart once maybe twice and i have to say i mean the 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 memory i have of meeting him at um the old cop fawn remember the cop fawn events we used to go to cop fawn hotel uh, in they used to say windsor but it was slough Uh, (laughs) it was definitely in slough um those events are great and i met stuart there and i I really really was just a lovely lovely soul there was something about him that was just um very uh just very genuine and friendly and and lovely so uh yeah i don't know just a really really sort of pulled the heartstrings i think katie's message as well um was just lovely and uh so definitely her thoughts are with her as well but um yeah very sad news lovely lovely man yeah yeah and we hate doing sad news but um yeah as always the um i think the you know, a good way to look at these things is, you know, not to be upset or, or sad that this has happened, but smile, you know, that we're able to witness and experience some of the good, some of the very cool stuff that you put out into the world. And so. I I like the fact Katie always says, uh, you know, when someone passes, she always says that going on their awfully big adventure. It's like a positive way of looking at it. Yeah. Rather than saying they're gone, which is lovely. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. So Stuart Bevan leaves us sadly at the age of 73 but uh, a very cool very cool legacy left behind uh, with his acting career and specifically for us the um the green death so might give that a watch at the weekend yeah i was thinking the same actually yeah (laughs) yeah righty oh dude news done let's um let's get on to our review so this week what have we got yeah so we're on to children of earth and this time it's day three john frobish is a good man and better than that he's expendable Right, where do we start? What are we looking for? If anybody finds out what I'm doing, it's treason. You're the only friend we've got left, Lewis. Stephen, what is it? What are you doing? Just look at me! The 456 chose Britain. They designated the location. We go here. Ooh. We are here. It's building up now. The mm. four, five, six, and all that. So, day three of Children of Earth. Synopsis for this one is The Eyes of the World Turn to Britain. The four, five, six announce we are here. As the new Torchwood adventure continues, a pillar of fire descends upon London, and Torchwood must battle to protect their own families as the fight gets personal. Will Clem's memories destroy everything? Hmm. So, this was first broadcast back in july of 2009 the 8th of july it was written by russell t davis and james moran directed by euros lynn and stars the usuals for this series so john barrowman eve miles gareth david lloyd kai owen and a few other peeps so we're at day three bud 
I think we've been uh, really positive so far, the first two eps, the first two days of the story. But what mm. did you think to this one, mate? Uh, for me, the positivity continues. I thought it was another really good episode and I'm I'm loving this series. And um, I'm glad to say that because I remember liking it back in the day, but I wasn't sure how well it was going to hold up as I haven't watched this for a long time. So I, I really enjoyed it. Another great episode. I was slightly worried for about the first 10, maybe 20 minutes of it. It felt I, I was beginning to feel like this might be a filler episode. It did start off a little slow. Um, but once it got going and, and things again are really sort of kicking in, especially the ending. Um, and it's the good thing is it's been long enough since I watched this that it's still feeling very fresh. So when the reveal came about Jack at the end, which obviously we'll get onto about what he's done, I I mean that it was like I'd completely forgotten that. Uh, so it was really like a shock. I was like I was actually a little bit open mouthed. Uh, I may as well say it. it's not like we're going to do spoilers in it when they reveal that Jack gave away twelve children and he was there um, in 1965. I was a bit like what. Uh, so it, yeah, it feels like I'm watching this afresh. I've completely forgotten the story, and and I'm really engrossed in it. I tell you, I'm really, really enjoying it. Um, yeah, so it's a little slow to start. I was beginning to think this might be the filler episode, um, but but uh, no. Once it got going, I I thought it was great. Um, I just love the fact it's just it's just rolling along really nicely to me. I, I maybe I've had to mark it just slightly lower than the previous two days. It's not quite as good as the first two episodes, mainly because of the start, I think. But uh, but still a good one for me. I still thought it was very strong. I thought the cast were very good in it. And um, yeah, it's just it's just ramping up really, really nicely. It's sort of keeping me right on the edge. I, you know, I'm, you just sort of want it. You want answers, and it keeps throwing in lots of nice little breadcrumbs the whole way through. It's just really keeping me in- engaged. So yeah, I'm liking it a lot so far. Yeah. Good stuff, dude. My, so it's a thumbs up. Yeah, a thumbs up from me as well, mate. Yeah, one, oh, cool, pos- cool, cool, cool. Yeah, the positivity continues with this. Uh, dude, I thought this was a cracking episode, mate. I honestly thought when I finished, when I got to the end of the episode and and uh, the music kicked in and the next time trailer, I was like, I am, I'm really struggling to not watch the next one. <laughs> yeah, oh, I, I was as well, actually. I Same, really, really yeah. wanted to move on to day four. Yeah, yeah, same. I thought, yeah. God, that was so... But especially the last, like you said, it does start off a tad slower, not too bad. Mm. But uh, once it gets going, once you're sort of 20, half, 20 minutes, half an hour in, it really does just... The suspense and the atmosphere throughout the majority of the episode, especially that last 15, 20 minutes when mm. Frobisher is in the in the, the room where the, the tank is and you can't see the alien properly, but... Uh, that was just done so that was like Hollywood film level stuff to me because mm. it's it's I think it's probably the first time in a long time where I've watched anything Doctor Who related where I've leant forward at the, on, on the edge of my on the edge of the sofa mm. I've actually leaned forward and I'm like I can feel myself breathing heavier and I'm leaning forward and I'm trying to you know see through the glass like they are in the room to to find out what's going on with this alien and it's throwing up all over the glass and yeah oh man it was, mad. it was so good i it's mean this X-Files, is files that isn't it that that box and that yeah it's yeah got that sort of atmosphere that classic sci-fi thing yeah defo yeah so for me mate this was this is up there i think i'm i'm not sure yet i've, I've got a score written down but 
yeah, I think for me it's slightly higher than the other two. Really? Um, okay. For me, yeah, because this was a different, a slightly different vibe than the first two. I think the first two were very much um, action-based, mm. where there were some really good set pieces with, um, you know, breaking Jack out of the prison with the cement and the oh, shootout yeah. before that and the, you know, at the beginning when the, the bomb had gone off and Jack was in pieces, <laughs> literally. Yes, and, that was you know, crazy. <laughs> Gwen had the shootout and all that. So that was very much the... Um, that was very much the James Bond MI5 Mission Impossible stuff for me. In this one, like you you absolutely nailed it, mate. This one was more like the X-Files. This was more the trying to discover a bit about the 456 and that mysterious holding back of not revealing what they're after and what they look like. Mm. Not until right at the end anyway. And then we had a couple of twists as well. So we had um, the uh, right at the very end, so I don't need to say it, but this is spoilers, obviously. If you've not seen Torchwood yet, then, you know, turn this off. But the spoiler right at the end where Clem recognises Jack, and Jack was the dude that took the kids back in 1965. Yeah, I didn't see that coming at all. Yeah. Like, what was that about? That was, And you can see Gwen, she's a bit confused, and she's like, hold on. Don't know, you've got it mistaken. Like, Jack fights the aliens. You know, he's one of the goodies. He protects and stuff. Mm. And he's adamant. He's like, no, you, he was there. He looks the same. And then she starts to slowly cotton on, and she's like, what's he talking about? And Jack obviously has to come clean. As, oh, mate, it was... That last 20 minutes was some of the best Torchwood I've ever seen so far. In all of our reviews that we've done in the first two series mm. up to this point, I honestly... Th- I honestly thought at the end, as the credits were rolling up, I literally said out loud the S word. I was like, it, (laughs) that was amazing. And like I said, I tried really hard to not just crack on and watch day four, but overall, dude, what a cracking episode. The the ending, I was going to say, this comes back to what you're saying about the, the RTD era, that feel that he somehow manages, you know what I'm trying to get at, right? So there are certain scenes like that last five minute bit where Clem is going mad, he's coming, here it is him and all this and it just sends shivers and you're like, it's like that moment television that Russell manages to create where you even now you can watch it and get that real buzz of this is brilliant. Um, you know, so you've got that moment, you know, the moment where Sarah Jane turns around and sees Tenant's Doctor. You know what I mean? It's, it's, it's these moments that are uh, are in this, this sort of um, moment, you know, in the RTD era are just brilliant. Um, and I agree, that ending just really got me because Clem, that actor is great. Um, what's the guy's name? The guy playing Clem, the, the uh, child that's now a man. He's doing, oh, yeah. he's really, really... Uh, doing a great job uh, with that Paul character. Copley. He's so yeah. believable. Yeah, when he sees Jack and also the way it was shot as well. So the way Jack just comes out of the shadows and his face and, you know, kudos to Barrowman. He's really, really hitting the mark for me in this series. He's uh, just taking it totally seriously. And I feel like he's really into it as well. I feel like he's really sort of got the performance nailed down. So, yeah, I, it was a brilliant end to the episode. And just like you, I... I I would have quite happily uh, put on the next episode. I really wanted to actually, um, but I didn't. Uh, but yeah, really, really good stuff. And uh, I, I love it, like that feeling you get, you know, at an end of an episode like this where you just cannot wait to watch the next one. And all the stuff with Frobisher as well, you know, what's going on there? He's being used and Capaldi's playing that brilliantly. He, he can see it in his face that he's starting to question 
why he's the one that's being pushed forward and stuff. There's so much going on um, that's being brilliantly played out on screen that I'm I'm just loving this series. Probably even more, actually, than I did on a first watch, and I loved it on a first watch. I really hope the next two episodes stand up, um, finish it off nicely, because it's been a brilliant start to this series, the first three days. Yeah, absolutely, dude. It's, um, and I think if... Correct me if I'm wrong, but I didn't they broadcast this out all in one week? Didn't they do night after night? I, I honestly can't remember, but that does think. sound that does sound familiar. Maybe they did. I can't remember to be honest with you. You might be right. Yeah, I mean that would have been really cool. Did, Can you imagine? Yeah, just did, a whole yeah. week of a week of Torchwood. That would have been <clears throat> very cool. Yeah. Yeah, I think you're right. You know, um, I could be wrong, but yeah, I, I, I'm pretty sure we did. We read that um, when we did our episode or day one review that would have been cool though like you settle down a night you know five nights of torchwood yeah i mean i watched it when it go when it went out six yeah no they did mate so 6th of july 7th of july 8th of july yeah they showed it over five days yeah so i would have watched it every every night yeah yeah Amazing. so you wouldn't have had to wait long for the next uh, you probably needed that though i suppose in a way just to keep the momentum going yeah i would say so yeah oh i've just um, realized that day four was written by a different <gasps> Oh, but actually, John. So John Fay writes the next episode. I was getting worried because I was thinking, "Oh no," because I, I want it to be good. I really want. I've enjoyed this so much. I don't want it to, to like take a dip at the end. You know, like flux. Uh, so uh, no. So Russell wrote the first one, then John Fay, then Russell and James Moran. Then next week's John Fay, and then Russell writes the final. So yeah, it's, it's all good. But yes, it's I think good. this whoever these people are writing it. Obviously, we know RTD. They're doing a good job. Yes, yeah, and it's superbly written as well. It's got a good, a really good mix of. Um, uh, I think we 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 did pick up on this in our, our day one review, but they seem to have ditched all of the unnecessary, um, you know, the unnecessary adult stuff just for the sake of being adult. The innuendo, you know types I mean? of, yeah, yeah, and all that gumph and um, yeah, I, th- I think uh, we we criticise that quite heavily in series one and two. Yeah. And it just feels like they've um, they've just yeah they've almost cottoned on, haven't they? Like okay, we don't need to throw a sex scene in here. We don't need to have Gwen and Jack flirting all over each other to provide any kind of um, uh, any kind of. Well, I, I guess they were trying to provide like a little bit of a uh, an extra nugget of something for you to get into as fans mm. of the characters. But they ultimately add nothing to the story. They were just superfluous. You know, this is an adult show. Because they could be adult, yeah. Yeah, so we'll have them swearing in the odd sex scene. But a couple of times it was all right. There was a couple of things that they did with with Owen's character that were kind of like that, which fed into the type of person he is, that character. Mm. But overall it was a little bit, oh, here we are again. You don't seem to have any of that in this series, do you? Like every episode it's always been, right, that it's down to business like the threat is all obviously very big with the four five six mm. and torchwood is down and out almost the hub's been you know that's gone uh which we see in this one uh, uh um yanso very proudly announces the new torchwood hub which is just an old abandoned warehouse and stuff yeah. like that but yeah and so um yeah there's no there's literally no time and no room to have all the silly flirty and and all that stuff going on. And it would have been stupid anyway, because if we think about the character progression a little bit, Gwen and uh, Reese 
Is it Reese? Reese, yeah. I keep wanting to say Kai. That's the I know, same. I do that all the yeah. time. Yeah. Yeah, Gwen and Reese are in a really good place right now with the you know, she her being pregnant and stuff. There's a little bit of a tiff. He finds finds out that Jack knew before him. And oh yeah, that a, was that was thing. Yeah, a bit of a tiff. But overall, the characters are in a really good place right now. So I think the focus has maybe shifted back to Jack now, where we're still finding out things about his past. A bit of a shady side. We're not sure why he delivered the kids as a gift mm. to the four, five, six in the first place back in 1965. So yeah, the twists are coming and the character stuff is. The focus is back on Jack, which is good. But the writing dude was really good. It was mature enough to be a more adult version of Doctor Who, which was what Torchwood should be. But it wasn't superfluous. We didn't have lots of swearing. There was the odd swear word, which was quite cool. Uh, but it was needed. It was there because, you know, it was the scene required that, I guess. But yeah, yeah. I, I what do you think right... to... Sorry, Sorry go on. Go on. what do I think to? Uh, what did you think to the um, the progression of... Because we'll get onto some characters individually in a second, but mm. uh, the progression of the characters in general are good up to this point. But what did you think to the progression of the aliens at this point then? Because we had that really big build-up throughout the, th- the first two episodes mm. where you didn't see them, you just heard them through the children. And then they constructed that glass cage thing for it to, um, to survive in while it's on Earth. And you never saw it right up until the very end. And now in this episode, it's here and it's communicating everything, but you still can't fully see it. What do you think to the aliens in this bit then? Because so far in Torchwood, the aliens have been a mix of completely ridiculous cyber girlfriends, you know, (laughs) some things like that. Or it's your very typical guy in a mask, weevil, knocking around sort of thing. What do you think to this approach though? No, I, I I love it because, like you said, you're just on the edge of your seat trying to see what the hell is it by having it in this sort of misty cage and and the little voice indicator thing at the front of it. It's brilliant. It feels like classic sci-fi, and and I think it's um they've done a great job in making it scary because although we only really see the claw, or I will keep thinking of the macker as well every time I see the claw or the whatever it is that's bashing around in that cage. They make it scary by just the fact that every now and again. And you don't know when it's just going to lose its rag. It's just going to like go absolutely <laughs> crazy in the box, and it just makes you go, "Oh my god!" You know what? What is going on there? So they've managed to make something we can't see terrifying. <laughs> in fact, probably by not being able to see it, is making it even more scary and intriguing. And I think the actors around it as well, the way that Frobish is sort of tiptoeing towards it to speak to it, and. Um, and everyone else is just standing as far back in the room as they can get, just builds up the fact that this thing, and and the fact that we're now learning that it's visited Earth before and it's clearly something not to be messed with because they're all terrified of it. You know, they've really sold the threat of this, of the 456. It's terrifying, and yet we haven't even seen it yet. And I can't remember if we do see it. I don't think we do. I, I could be wrong, but... I don't know if we ever fully see it. I'm I'm intrigued to see actually if we do because I can't remember it if we do. But um, no, I think it's been handled brilliant because even f- right from the beginning when it's using the children to to voice it, we are coming, we are coming, and then we are coming tomorrow, we are coming today, and then the pointing to the sky. It's just the build up to this thing is brilliant. And again, this comes back to the the writing is has been very strong to me. It's just uh, really great science fiction 
uh, television. And I just want to quickly come back to what you were saying about, you know, the, the sort of uh, the crudeness and stuff that we got throughout series one in particular of Torchwood toned down in series two, but it was still there. Um, yeah, you're right. We haven't really got any of that. In fact, I was slightly worried uh, when Yanto, there's a funny scene. There's some, do you know what? In, in, this is quite a serious episode, but there's every now and again, there's these little moments of really great humour uh, that, that are added in and some lovely scenes in this. Um, and there was a great moment where Yanto, I think, you know, Jack puts the coat on <laughs> and Yanto's getting a bit, mm, getting a bit frisky. And he's like, uh, you know, saying to Jack, should we get rid of Reese and have like, 20 minutes to ourselves sort of thing and that that was just such a and I and I did worry at that point because I was like oh no I expected it to cut to him and Jack getting it on in the you know I thought, oh any second now but no it doesn't it, it's just played out as a humorous scene where Reese is like well the beans are nearly ready I can't go anywhere yet and they're, and they're like oh the beans are nearly ready and it was just such a fun scene whereas I think if that had been series one or two it would have you know just cut to them you know, getting it on in a cell somewhere or something, wouldn't it? So, yeah, you're right. They've managed to just get the tone of this, I think, just right. You know, the humour, the seriousness, the sci-fi, everything. It's all just clicking in the right place, I think, this series. Yeah. Yeah, there's a couple of scenes like that that were very cool. There's a scene a little bit later where Gwen, uh, where um, Reese recognises the contact lenses. Yes, yes, you know, that's another scene. Yeah, that, another great fun scene, yeah. Again, yeah, it's adult. So, it's an adult joke, but it's handled well, isn't it? It's, it's funny. It's not crude. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely right. Yeah, yeah. It's not done in a in a crass way, just because it's yeah. like we were saying. But um, yeah, so the 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 lenses that um, <laughs> <laughs> that what's her face is wearing, uh, Reese immediately recognises them, and it turns out that him and Gwen had used them for um for uh. What's the word? For a little bit of sexy time, a little bit of fun. <laughs> I just like the fact, yeah, Yanton doesn't want to be outdone. He's like, oh, yeah, yeah, I've done that. Yeah, we've all done that. You know, just, it was just a fun scene. Yeah. 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 Lois, um, yeah, she wears them. And her character's really cool, dude. Yes, I because, like her. Yeah. yeah, Gwen pleads with her. He's like, she's like, look, wear these contacts. Because it's a really good little show off moment with the tech, isn't it? Where Gwen's already wearing them. She opens her laptop and Lois is just amazed by it she's like where's the camera and stuff and they're actually inside the contact lens it's all very cool james bondy stuff have we seen those before it's really bugging yes. me yesterday well what, yeah where martha have we seen? martha wears them when she infiltrates the farm ah right in the episode reset yeah so she's wearing them yes there. i thought we had i wasn't sure yeah. if i was just remembering the episode or what but yeah yes so she's amazed by them and then gwen after we've had the fun little you know all our technology is really cool and stuff uh, she pleads with Lois, like, you're, you're the only friend we've got on the inside. Mm. And then, you know, as we thought she might, it gets to a point in the story, she's like, okay, I'm going to do it. She goes in the bathroom, pops the lenses in. And that then adds to the whole uh, suspensefulness of the um, of that final scene, because we'll come on to Peter Capaldi in a moment mm. and just how amazing he plays that scene. It's brilliant, yeah. Um, but it was already suspenseful because you can't see the alien inside the glass box. But then the fact that she gets up and walks around the edge of the room and you can't hear it, so she has to write down on a pad what the alien's saying, but they can kind of hear what Frobish is saying. That whole, like I said earlier, that last 15 minutes, 20 minutes, 
was just brilliantly done and her mm. character really adds to that because she knows she's going to get busted at some point or we probably suspect she's going to get busted because things like Doctor Who and Torture, you can only get away with stuff for so long. You know, I, I feel like happens. the older aide to Frobisher's got her number now. Uh, who, that actress yeah. is great as well. The one who's playing his uh, Frobisher's assistant. Um, you know, oh, she's yeah. she's slightly. Yeah. I think there's a bit of jealousy there as well, <laughs> isn't it? Um, but uh, <laughs> she's really good, uh, that actress, and I, she's playing the part brilliantly. But I feel like she's got Lois's number, and it could be her downfall is not far. I don't think away. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. It's um, yeah. I mean, we could go on for hours saying how well some of this was written by mm-hmm. by Russell and um, who wrote it with Russell? James uh, James Moran. James Moran. Yeah, but even that scene, it's only like a minute long, but you really get, oh, mate, I'm going to really struggle here not to gush over Russell T. Davis again. Ah, go for it. You know, for years, we've always said that one of Russell's strengths is his character writing. Mm. And even if there's a character that's on screen just for a minute, the way that they're written is that you're just absorbed by it and you're drawn in. So the the assistant, the the senior assistant to Frobisher, I guess, she um, there's a little bit of jealousy there because she's like, look, I want to come to Tem's house as well. She's like, no, you can't. Don't be ridiculous. This is you know, this is big boy stuff. And then she's like, well, he asked me to come, and she's like, okay, for a private reason. And then the penny drops, and she's like, hmm. You're not the first. She's all sort of humpety. Yeah, you're not, you, she, you wouldn't be the first. Like, yeah. yeah, she's all gets her back up and all that. Yeah, you wouldn't be the first. But Lois thinking on her feet, though, because what else could she say? Mm. She's only just started there, so what can she say? It has to be a personal thing, which then suggests that old Frobish has been a naughty boy. I know, past. yeah, it does, yeah. I, I thought that. You know, yeah. you really feel like Lois is going to go on to be in, uh, the, the, you know, a new member of Torchwood, don't you? So it really feels like it's leading up to that. So I'm wondering. Oh, I think so. so I'm wondering yeah. what's going to happen there. And Reese, he's just like the way I love the way he's been written into it because he feels now part of the Torchwood team. Even that he's sort of become the new Yanto, wasn't he? Where he's just cooking beans and doing all the <laughs> all the housework and that sort of stuff. So yeah, you feel like there's a new Torchwood team building, and um, I find, kind of feel a little bit sad that we didn't get it because obviously we know. That, that doesn't happen i can't remember what happens to lois or or reese or whatever but i i do remember enough to know that in talk in miracle day that we're very much back to basics um with the torture team but yeah looking at this wouldn't it be amazing to have had a series with like lois joining and reese being a proper member of torture i think this would have been great um but yes it wasn't to be i don't know how it all pans out in the next two episodes but i know it doesn't go down that route Mm. but she would yeah, have been I good though wouldn't she Lewis she would have been great yeah yeah I think once she um, she's obviously got that trepidation about should I do this mm. should I not she does say that very clearly to Gwen she's like look this is treason if I get caught doing this then then it's game up you know it's game over for me sort of thing but when she yeah. does commit and she does decide to do it she's very cool she's very very cool I like yeah, her I character like, I like she's her character good. as well yeah yeah what did you think to um, before I get on to the 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 cast the principal cast what did you think to frobisher then because once again he's being thrown under the bus by yeah. the prime minister the prime minister basically said because it's really funny isn't it uh unsurprisingly the americans turn up yeah. and they're really put out that the fact that the four five six have chosen 
you know, Britain, the UK mm. to land and do their negotiations, whatever they are. And they're like, we're not happy about this. You know, you've, you've, you've caused this. This was your plan. The prime minister's like, I haven't done anything. Like they chose this location. We haven't done anything sort of thing. But the Americans are put out. And then units there being very un-units, I have to say. Yeah, it does, did feel a bit like that, didn't it? Yeah. Did you get that? Like the yeah. guy representing unit was very much... Um, didn't seem too I just don't know what it. his... Yeah, I just don't know what his game plan is. He's just there with some army general from the US and both of them are very unhappy with the prime minister, mm. even though he said to them very plainly, it's nothing to do with me. This is, you know, let's continue just to throw Frobisher under the bus. You know, he's expendable. He actually says that he's expendable. Yeah. So he knows it as well. Frobisher knows it. He can tell that at any point his his time's going to be up. But, you know, like a good a good patriot for the country, I suppose he cracks on and, and he does it. And, uh, but he, he, he's really good throughout. He's got that coldness to his character. That's, that's needed. And there's a really good telephone conversation between him and Jack. So Jack calls him. So he goes into his, his house, steals his wife's phone. Jack calls him and says, you know, you have to let me in. I, I can help. I've, I've witnessed these things before. I know, I know what's going on. And Frobish is very much like, well, you know, we've got it covered, but thanks. And then he's like, well, you know, I, I think he sort of tries to insinuate that he's going to cause harm mm. or at least kidnap his wife and kids if he doesn't. And then Frobisher's like, well, I've got your daughter and your grandson, so yeah, touche kind of thing. There's a little bit of a <laughs> turn and throwing. So he's very cold throughout most of the episode. I think the, this part this part of it where the alien's actually here now and things are getting a lot more serious, he's, uh, he, he's, uh, he's having to knuckle down a bit and not be as caring and stuff like that and then at the end like i said that final bit where he's trying to negotiate and when the alien first lands and he tries to talk to it and communicate that's just, peter capaldi is brilliant in this episode right he's just so he is and i don't sit there thinking perfect. oh it's the 12th doctor he feels like a completely different character i mean obviously he looks a bit different as well he's a bit sort of a he looks more scrawny doesn't he in his suit and stuff but no and i love that scene with him and Jack, I, I, again, this comes back to what I was saying about Barrowman being, I think, on the top of his game at the minute. Uh, th- that scene between him and Frobisher, that phone call uh, is brilliant because you, you sort of, like you said, it's a bit of a sort of one-upmanship between the two of them. Um, but yeah, it's a really good scene. That I like that. It's great, isn't it? Yeah, yeah but I agree. Frobisher's great. I mean, you you feel yeah. sorry for him, but you also because, like you said, he is being thrown under the bus, but you also feel like. I don't know, like you said, he's he's probably had his faults and there's probably a reason he's where he is. But yeah, but Pilty Capale is playing it really, really well. I like the bit when he gets out of the room as well and he just collapses down the wall, the sort of the fear he's allowed to let out to show his fear, you know, when he's away from mm-hmm. them, the four, five, six and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, I thought Capaldi was perfect in this, the he way is. he played the character, because it does show a real... Uh, a real sense of um, what's the word for, for him as an actor because Vers- versatility versatility yeah because he could have easily been one of these actors where you know some actors it just they're just them in whatever yeah. show they happen to appear in you mm-hmm. know it's more um, it's that person rather than the character I think Capaldi's got that really great way of he never he never ditches the the seriousness of what's at hand and he never you know never does weird things like with accents or anything like that but the way he just comes across on camera if you think about him as the doctor 
him as Frobisher in Torchwood, and then something like his character in The Thick of It. Yeah. <laughs> all dress really similar. Well, Doctor Who could probably, you know, you know, all dress very similar, especially this and The Thick of It. Um, all based in, like, you know, various points, an office of some sort, mm. and some, you know, but just three very, very different characters. But it's hard to explain, isn't it? But three very different characters, but very much Capaldi, if that makes sense. No, it, it does. Yeah, you Am don't sit sense? there. Yeah. yeah, you do. You don't sit there thinking, oh, that's Malcolm Tucker, isn't it? You know, in a different show, or that's the 12th Doctor in a different show. You don't get that at all. He, he just feels, yeah, it feels like a different character. Um, and it, it, you're absolutely right. And it's a strange thing to say, because he's an actor. Of course, he's playing a different character. But you're right. There are some actors that just, no matter what they do, they sort of have the same mannerisms and the way they play a part. They're sort of the same person in everything they're in. And sometimes that's what people want. They want them to be. They don't want them to be someone else. They're like, oh, so-and-so's in this show tonight. I like them. And they want them to be the same. And so for, for some actors that works. But yeah, Capaldi's definitely got a versatility about him. Yeah, defo. Very good. Hmm. Um, what about, so a couple of smaller part members we've already spoken about. So the Prime Minister and... Uh, Frobisher's assistant, who's very, hump, you know, got the hump big time with Lois, and that's plain for all to see. And we also had um, old Clem, so Clem McDonald, Paul Copley. Brilliant performance he's very from him. He's well. so yeah. good. Yeah, really sells that end scene. God, well, he's a bit, and I, I like him with um, Gwen as well. You know, the scenes between him and Gwen, they're, they're brilliant together, those two. Gwen's so um, caring towards him. Uh, I think they're brilliant together. But he's, yeah. he's he's excellent, that guy. What's the actor's name? Uh, Paul Copley. Brilliant. Yeah. Very, very good. Mm. And he provides a little bit of... Um, uh, I wouldn't say comic relief, because he's not coming across intentionally as funny. Mm. But you do think at times, like, oh, my God, he's a complete nut job. Yeah, yeah. You know, with the this whole um, and stuff, yeah. Yeah, like he's chatting away to himself before he gets arrested and you know, this whole thing where he can smell certain things. Yeah, and, that's interesting. Yeah, that's kind of weird. So it's not light relief or comic relief or anything like that. It's just it's just provides a different vibe to what's going on mm. with the rest of the story, which I think is needed. But he's very good. Very, very good with that. And yeah, that last scene where he's crapping himself. He's like, I can smell like he can he knows that Captain Jack's coming. He can sense what's going on. Yeah. And he's crapping himself and Gwen can't work it out. And and you're right, actually. John Barrowman nails that part of it mm. at the end where he's just so unlike Jack to commit to the truth that early. Exactly. Yeah, he doesn't like try and deny it or anything. He's just like, it's game over. I've just got to, I've just got to yeah, confess. Yeah. 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 yeah that, I could do. That was so good. Hmm. Uh, right, so let's talk about Gwen Cooper then, Eve Miles. Another good one for her, do you reckon? I thought she was really good. Yeah, again. she's brilliant. Uh, the thing is with uh, Eve Miles is she, um, she's just so natural in, in her performance. I, it's Again, it's hard to explain really, but she just, she feels like a real person. It doesn't feel like somebody on the screen acting. You know, like if you watch a soap, it's just somebody just reading like, they're normally of a sort of standard that's mm. just, it's not realistic. With somebody like Eve Miles, like even something as simple as just being on the phone 
when she does that she has a phone call early on i think to reese or somebody i don't know and she's just walking down the street and she's like okay then bye 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 it's just it's just she's just playing it like she was really on the phone she's just such a good natural actress and as i said i, I love the scenes with clem i love how she's really trying to understand him she's really trying to protect him and take care of him um and uh and I've said this before, she's so kick-ass, Gwen. I I would feel safe around her. Like, when she realises that he's going to lose it and they're in the traffic jam, she just puts the foot to the throttle, let's get out of here, you know. I just think she's brilliant. I love the character and I think Eve Miles plays her brilliantly, you know. I wouldn't yeah. mess with Gwen. I'd want to yeah. be on her side. And, uh, yeah, she plays it so well. Oh, same, dude. Yeah, yeah same. Uh, what about Kai Owen as Reese? Uh, he's definitely the comic relief. Well, he is, he? but he does it so well. He really does it mm-hmm. so well. But also, he's good at the serious. Though. I mean, he does He does normally get the com- comedy lines, but like when he loses it with Jack and when he finds out that he found out first that she was pregnant. I mean, he's he's really good at the... And again, him and Eve Marks bounce off. They are such a believable couple. I know we've said that before, but they really mm-hmm. are. Um, you know, you can, you can just so sympathise with him as well. Uh, but yeah, he's yeah. great. Yeah, for he's sure. He's great. Yeah. And what about uh, Gareth David Lloyd as old Yanto? He's uh, He has a bit more to do there. There's actually a good scene where um, the thing I like about Yanto is that he's very, he's very easily proud of his work, mm. <laughs> even though he's been basically the tea boy for the first couple of series. Yeah. This one, he gets a little bit more to do. There's a really good scene near the beginning where, um, uh, Gwen has basically said, look, we're on the run. We're criminals. Why don't we just act like criminals? We need money. We need food. We need clothes, all the rest of it. So she trains them up on how to be thieves, basically. So there's a few scenes where they're in the restaurant. They're pretending to be the waiter. They take the card off. They run. That's a bit like hustle John, that reminded me of. Yeah. <laughs> John Barrowman steals his own Porsche yeah. as Captain Jack. I'm pretty sure that's John Barrowman's Porsche. Oh, is it? I'm Well, I could be wrong on this, but I oh. remember this is going back a little bit now, but I remember back in time to roughly, might have been actually, I think roughly 2008, 2009, I remember going to Collectomania at Milton Keynes and walking round the side of the building to get round to the front entrance and seeing John Barrowman get out of a Porsche, which I think was that one. Oh my God, he probably just stole it in real life. (laughs) Yeah, so I remember him... uh, and it was really weird. It was actually, that was really funny because as we walked around the corner of the MK Centre where it used to be in Milton Keynes, mm. there was about 50 girls, 50 women mm. and girls all standing on the opposite side of the road. And he had, he was sat in his Porsche and he had his earbuds in and his sunglasses on and he was pretending not to notice them and he was on his phone doing something. And uh, as soon as he got out the car and shut the door, there was just this ginormous beaming Colgate smile. You know, the big Hollywood John yes. Barrowman smile. Yeah, yeah. And all the women ran over and he was like, ladies, ladies, look, <laughs> don't worry. You you know, go and basically what he was saying was, look, you're not getting any freebies here. Go and pay for your autograph. Go oh, and right. pay for your picture, <laughs> your photo shoot. And uh, he made his way in. But I'm 99% sure it's the same Porsche. I could be wrong, but maybe yeah, he just turned is. up as like, guys, save some money on a production. I've got a Porsche. Yeah. I'll jump in my own one. Anyway, so we'll do that. And... um and uh, where was I going with that? Well, uh, what, what yeah, you, Yanto. Yanto, Yanto yeah. sorry. So they all go off and do that. But then Yanto, t- Yanto turns up and he's got carrier bags full of stuff. And he's like, here you go, it's in clothes and blah, blah, blah. And 
he decks Jack out in exactly the same costume. Yeah, I know. As yeah. we see Captain Jack <laughs> recently. Uh, and he's just beaming with pride and stuff. And then that scene later on where he's basically saying to Jack, look, let's have half hour cheeky little, you know, because, yeah, I'm liking the coats back on all the rest yeah. of it. So uh, what do you reckon to Gareth David Lloyd then? So he's uh, he has a bit of a cheeky one in this one, but yeah, loving his job as always. Yeah, no, it's, it's a fun scene. I, I thought the the thieving scene was unintentionally funny, actually, when they were stealing <laughs> because they they sort of managed. Went, so, like when they steal the credit cards, they're just walking away calmly. They all run off like uh, almost like if you put some Benny Hill music over it, it'd be be like a comedy sketch, you know. But they all do it. They all do. They all run away really sillily after they've stolen something. Um, but I, yeah, I thought it was just unintentionally funny that scene. But it, yeah, I did like it. It reminded me of the uh, Hustle TV series when they used to do stuff like that. But yeah, the coat thing, I mean, again, a little bit cheesy. I'm back. It was, it was, a, bit, it was a bit of a Jack moment, that, but I, I can forgive it because it was fun. Yeah, yeah, same. Is it the yeah. same coat or is it slightly different? I mean, it looks uh, the same, but I don't know if it's a slightly different coat. I'm not sure. I'm no expert because I haven't studied the details. I think the it's details, the same, but I don't, but I don't I know. I think it is. Because yeah. they sort of, Yanto throws in the line, doesn't he, of like army surplus or something. Mm-hmm. As if to say, I've got you the same coat. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. And that's probably John Barrowman driving that rather than the character because mm-hmm. at the very beginning when they go into the old warehouse and there's just a sofa and a few tables, uh, Jack does say, when are we going to get some new clothes? I mean, jogging bottoms? I don't do jogging bottoms yeah, kind of thing. Yeah. So that's probably John Barrowman. You know. Again, that made me I'm laugh because he's all covered set. in, like, he's all burnt and <laughs> <laughs> he looks in the right state. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, before we move on to David, uh, David, who's David Barrowman? Who's David Barrowman? Before we move on to John Barrowman, did you? I one scene that I particularly liked was when just before Yanto gets cheeky, mm. we have a little bit of law around Jack's eternity, and oh, he mentions yeah, the yeah. Doctor. Did you, did you like that scene? Yes. So, for the benefit of the time. listener, yeah, who hasn't seen it, uh, there's always this kind of debate around Captain Jack whether. He ends up being the face of Bo in the, you know, in the series still of Doctor Who. I love that idea. Yeah. yeah. Or whether he's just out there somewhere still as Captain Jack, you know, the age that he is now, blah, blah, blah. There's always this thing about Because <laughs> they kind of left it a little bit open, didn't they? A little bit ambiguous. ambiguous where, yeah. Yeah. Something. Anyway, we don't know. But <laughs> Yanto does actually say to him, what did it feel like when you were blown up? Because <laughs> mm. it's, it's a question that we all thought about when we saw that scene yeah and especially the scene later on where his body's coming back together and rebuilding itself and the whole lazarus thing and and all that lot but he does say you know it was yeah it's pretty painful (laughs) you know it wasn't not the best of days yeah yeah so i think what yanto was getting at because he said did everything just fade to nothing or did you actually i think what he's getting at is did did it feel like you died Mm. and then you came back to life or did it just feel really painful and, and all that stuff and he said, yeah, it was, it was really bad, painful. But yeah, and then he mentions the doctor and he's like, you know, the doctor said, I'm a fixed point in time. And then we have that little sad bit where Yanto's like, well, basically what's going to happen is you're going to watch me die of old age, but you're going to be around. And then you had a bit of a sad lip moment and everyone was like, oh. Mm. But then, you know, anyway, let's make the most of what we've got now. Let's, uh, let's send uh, Reese off to the shop and then we're good. But yeah. that was a really cool scene. Do was- you think where they mentioned that? Because they don't rarely mention the doctor that often in Torchwood. No, it was nice. It was a nice little reference point, I thought, um, to do with Jack. And yeah, it was fun because, like you said, it's a sort of serious, uh, you know, the realization in Yanto that he's going to 
you know, die and Jack will still be the same and all that sort of thing. Um, and yeah, and then just to follow that up with the funny scene with Reese cooking the beans. And it, again, it was just a nice bit of writing, I thought. Yeah. Yes, it was. And then lastly, then to finish on John Barrowman as Captain Jack, pretty much nailed it throughout this one. He's very good in it, actually. I have to yeah. say, yeah, he's doing the the phone call scene with Frobisher. He was bang on it, and um, the scene at the end, amazing. And just all the way through, actually, he's been very consistently good in this. Um, I have to I have to say. I also like his daughter. There was a brief scene where she was running away from you know the bad guys uh, with her son. And uh, you can tell that she's picked up a bit. She's a bit kick-ass as well. You can tell that she's picked up a few moves uh, from, you know, from her father. So, yeah, she's a good character. I'm surprised she's not in it more, to be honest, because she's a good actress. And um, and I thought she was really good in that little scene she was in when she was on the run. I, I, I didn't want her to get yeah. caught that quickly. When, when she turned the corner and, you know, that woman was at the end of it with a gun, and I was like, oh, no, I wanted her to get away, but... Yeah, I think hopefully we'll get to see a bit more of her in the next two episodes. I think she's a pretty good character as well. Yeah, I hope she's not Agent gonna... Johnson, wasn't it? That was after her. Yeah, that's you? right. Yeah, yeah. That was a good scene. Yeah. But she gets rumbled, though. She gets busted. Why did she use that person's phone? I didn't get that. You know? I didn't get that scene. I'll be honest with you. I, I didn't... Yeah, What did, was so she what... trying to get away from using her own phone, thinking they wouldn't be able to trace her, or what? Well, I th- it's either that, or she thought that Jack was ignoring her calls. Yeah. So if she tried to call through on another phone, he didn't recognise he would That's probably potentially it. answer. Maybe, yeah. Mm. But that was a good scene. Yeah, again, John- a good bit of suspense there where she's looking out the door and she, mm. you can't see anything, but she just senses that something's not right. So she's like, yes. run. Yeah. <laughs> I feel sorry for that kid. Yeah. She really froze him around the corner. Did you notice that? <laughs> yeah, yeah. She literally yeah. launches that poor little kid around the, around the side of that wall. I don't know if that was intentional or what. (laughs) Well, it's good education in action acting. (laughs) Yeah. Sometimes you have to be roughed up a little bit for it to be genuine. No wonder he he actually looked terrified, that poor kid. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. No, that was a good scene, dude. And I think overall John Barrowman did did have a great one again. Yeah, she's good and Barrowman's good as well. Yeah. yeah, Yeah, both very good. Yeah, good. Anything else on your notes, bud, before we score this? No, I don't think so. No, just have a look. No. No. Well, in that case, it's you to go first, dude. Yeah. What, what are you saying? Well, I had said that I I really enjoyed this episode, but maybe not quite as much as the first two. So I had marked it down slightly, but uh, only by a point five. So I've rated day one and day two eight. Now, as we've talked through this, and this does happen, I, I really <laughs> did enjoy this episode. And I think I only marked it down because of the beginning being a bit slow. Um. But now I think, now we've talked through it, I'm going to give it an eight again, because like you said, the ending and and the majority of the episode was so good. So I am going to give it an eight, the same as the first two days. It was it oh, was nice, a good man. episode, yeah. Okay, I'm going to give this an 8.5. Mm, okay. Because I also scored the other, the other two an eight, but I just really no, thought that mm. the suspension and the atmosphere and the, the build-up of the story... It was written so well. It really was just a proper, enjoyable Torchwood story. Mm. Torchwood episode. And I, I can't wait for day four. I really can't. I, we very rarely say that these days about looking forward to the next one. But yeah, I'm looking forward to the next one. Just just very quickly before we move on. Um, 
why do you think, because talking of moving on to day four, why do you think, Jack, have you got any theory or can you remember from when you first watched it? Because I, I honestly can't remember at all. But I'm wondering why has Jack given them 12 children back in 1965? What's the reason for it, do you think? Have you got an idea or can you actually remember? Because if you can remember, don't tell me. Um, can you remember why he did it? I can't. Or do you have a theory? I can't remember exactly. I think, I, I think it's something along the lines of he was duped. I think the aliens were offering something back to the to the human race in exchange for the. But I can't remember exactly what that oh, was. Okay, yeah. Okay, don't say any more then, because I I can't remember at all, and I'm really like flummoxed by it. Um, because yeah. again, I just love that they're showing a slightly darker side to Jack. This is what I like about Torture Jack is he's. He, he's lived so long that he's done so much and not all of it can be good. So I'm very intrigued what's going on with him and these yeah, and this, yeah. what, whatever happened in 1965. Yes. Yeah, same, dude. Mm. Yeah, same. Okay, well, that's been a cool review. It's been an 8 from him and an 8.5 from me. We didn't have many reviews in this week. We didn't have any. We were recording slightly earlier this week. So um, if, you, if anything that came through after Tuesday, lunchtime, then um, I'm very sorry, but we, you know, we caught a bit early. But uh, we only had a few over on Twitter. So Sam Sam Dooley said another strong instalment into what is maybe my favourite series of both Torchwood and Doctor Who. Mm-hmm. The continues at a great pace. Performances are fantastic. Music is awesome. Cinematography is, uh, is great. And somehow this isn't the peak. It only gets better. A nine point five. Oh, I'm glad to hear that because I that's the thing I was worried about. That it was gonna they were gonna be able to sustain the you yeah, know yeah. the writing. So yeah. Will Sanger says, very strong continuation. The 456 as a threat is well demonstrated in their ability to tap into humanity's anxiety anxiety, and have them cater to their desires. The selfishness of government corruption is given more depth and it starts to show Jack's guilt in his past involvement. Mm. It very much does, Will. Yeah, very much uh, along those lines. And lastly, Chippy T says, gets better by the episode. Not only government collusion with the past, but Jack too. We have security forces eavesdropping on and seizing civilians, high-tech eyewear gizmos, USA trying to run everything, Capaldi ripping it up, <laughs> Clem is fantastic, and the ominous 456. Stunning, a 9 out of 10. 9 out of 10, okay. Some good scores there, dude. A 9.5 and a 9. With our ones, the average is an 8.5, dude. Mm, okay. Or a 9, so good. So... Uh, week after next, we will be back on to Torchwood, continuing with day four. But in between that, next week, dude, what are we reviewing them? Yeah, so we'll be going back to the Hartnell era. Hmm. And we're going to be reviewing <laughs> Planet of the Giants. Okay. Planet of the Giants. Planet of the Giants, eh? Hmm. I don't think I've watched this one in donkey's years, mate. It's oh, the, it well, where they get shrunk, isn't it? Yeah. I can't remember this one very well at all. I think I've only seen this one once. How many parts years is ago. it? Do you know? Uh, I think it's six parts. Oh, no, no. It's the car- oh, no, I'm sure it's not six. Tell me it's not six. I, I was thinking it might be two. <laughs> I thought it was a two-parter. I'm sure it's six parts. Oh, no, is it? Oh, no, it's three parts. I'm very sorry. Oh, they, oh we were, both of us are wrong. My apologies. I thought it was a two-parter. Yeah. It's a three-parter. Okay. Yeah, I thought, yeah, right. That's okay. Yeah. That's doable. Three parts. Now, this could be interesting next week because we've said now consistently for the past four or five classic Who reviews where they've been 
either four or six parts, we've consistently said <laughs> this would be a great, like if it's a four-parter, we've said this would be a great two-parter. Mm. Or if it's been a six-parter, we've said this will be a great three-parter. Now we have the opportunity to put that to the test. Let's see. Because this could have easily been the usual four or six parts. So we'll see on the old three. Yeah, I can't remember a lot about it. I think there's a giant ant in it or something. I can't remember. There is, yeah. And a matchbox. A giant matchbox. (laughs) Indeedy. So please get your DVDs ready and waiting to get that a watch. Give that a watch or get BritBox fired up. It's on there because we'll be asking for your reviews and thoughts on that as always next week. And I think that's a good point there, dude, to uh, stick a pin in it for episode... What episode are we on now? 342. Episode 342. (laughs) Let's do it there. Thank you, thank you, thank you for coming back and listening to another episode. That was episode 342. It's great to have you here listening to us chat about Doctor Who and Torchwood, in this case. So some decent scores there on the old day two, sorry, day three of Torchwood. And next week, as Adam said, we're over to the first Doctor era and Planet of the Giants to get that watched because we'll be asking for your thoughts as always. In the meantime, make sure you follow this show on your fave podcast app. A new episode lands every Friday. And you can listen to everything for free on the website too. So Big Blue Box Podcast at Cadet UK. Plus check out all of the reviews and articles from our amazing writing team. And we're on the socials, Instagram, Twitter and Facebook. Links on the website. Come and get involved over there. And we have a free Discord server. There's a link on the website. Come and chat Doctor Who with other cool Who fans over on Discord. Also, check out my co-host channel again over on YouTube. It is, of course, the Geeks Handbag. The Geeks Handbag, yes. Loads of Doctor Who videos on on my channel. Go check it out. Also on the socials. Go and check them. Yeah. yeah. Go and check them. So my usual advice still stands. Grab a nice, get, get a nice drink. Get comfy. Fire up Adam's YouTube channel. Check out loads of cool videos. And he's on the socials too. Under the same name. So... <laughs> Until next week for episode 343. Yes. Yeah. Uh, have a good uh, have a good week. Take care of yourself. And remember. <laughs> hey.